But today we're talking about a number. We're talking about the number seven. Everybody say it, seven. The Bible uses things for a reason. Nothing's really by chance or accidentally in there. And God uses the number seven to represent completion. Hey, David, to represent perfection. He does, he does things in sevens to represent the perfectness of his ways. And often the power of God is strong in our lives and we know that we are more than conquerors until a situation or season occurs that we don't have an answer to. Then God feels distant. I'm frustrated by what has happened and I just don't make sense of this. Things were going the way they should until this happened. Now what? Now what, God? Where's your perfection in my situation? How does your seven relate to my actual day-to-day life, God? But if we only live by what I can conclude is fair, reasonable, and just, I may miss the fact that God has his hand on my life and in a way that sees further, everybody say further, than my limited visibility or understanding. I can't count or measure where God wants to take me and how he's gonna take me through this blessed life. It's impossible. So we are to live according to his word, which is to live perfectly in us. Christ was the word. The word was made flesh. The plan of redemption was put into time and space and made flesh. And he, Christ, was among us and we beheld his glory and knew him not. We hung him on a cross. We are to receive the word. We are to receive Christ. Okay, that sounds good, but what about this situation that doesn't make sense? God, how do we handle this misunderstanding of what we expect from God versus what we actually experience? There's an expectation and then there's the experience, right? And they don't always line up. What do we do when they don't line up like we think they should? We desire this sense of completion or seven, but God didn't deliver it this time. Where's my seven? Touch your neighbor, tell him, where's my seven? God completes things his way. He created the heavens and the earth and all living things in seven days, including his day of rest. The walls of Jericho came down on the seventh day when they marched around the city seven times and blew their trumpets. That's when the walls fell, not the sixth time. The earth wasn't finished. His rest wasn't finished until the end of the seventh. Seven is perfect to God. Seven is complete to God. But what happens when we believe for seven and we come up short? I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 29 through 33 this morning. If you can go to your... If you could swipe to your Bibles. I know y'all just walking Bibles up here. You just swipe in your head. I know. I know how y'all do. It says, for you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. He will enlighten darkness because he is my lamp. You know a lamp? You turn a lamp on when you can't see. And by my God, for, excuse me, for by you I can run against a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. Say it, everybody say, perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. Everybody say, proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? Who is God except the Lord? 
It sounds prophetic to me. There's one Lord, one Christ, one God. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock? Christ is our rock except our God. God is my strength and my power, and he makes my ways perfect. He makes my ways perfect. It didn't say he would make me be able to make myself perfect. It says he makes my ways perfect because we are imperfect beings trying to live perfectly in Christ. The title of this message to go along with the devotional, if you read it, is seven. See, God's number system isn't based on my expectation. It's based on his will. This is a good one. God's number system is not based on my expectation. It's based on his will. And they're different sometimes. We want them to be the same, but sometimes they're not. So what happens when we get in that season of falling short? Can I, get, can I give you guys a little extra today? A little more of me and my family? Would that be all right? It's a little more personal. And I checked with the wife. I said, can I preach on this? And she, we, we agreed that we thought this would do somebody some good maybe. And it may not be your exact scenario, but maybe you can relate to it and apply how we overcame with God's number system. You can apply it to your situation the same. Maybe that will be a blessing to you all. That's what we pray. But we're people and we've fallen short like when we were trying to have a baby. Like nine years ago, we had Chloe. Y'all met Chloe? She does stationary handout. She sings sometimes, but it just wasn't, okay, God, give us this baby. It was a struggle. It was something we didn't get right away. In fact, there was two years of trying for a baby, and there was still no baby. So what happens when you feel like you're falling short? I mean, I got, I got the perfect wife. God, you, you've blessed us in all ways. Now I want my baby. That's the next step in this life. That's what it should be. That's my expectation, God. But my experience and my wife's experience was not lining up to my expectation. And what happens when that happens? You start blaming each other. We started blaming each other. Well, I think it's your fault. Maybe there's something wrong with you. No, maybe there's something wrong with you. Oh, well, why didn't you do the dishes? Why, all of a sudden, you start bickering about things that aren't even relevant. It's because the devil wants to derail you and make you all hate each other in the process because you're busy waiting on an expectation that doesn't match your experience. You can clap for that. That's all right. That's good. It's good to clap. The, the Lord hears our praises and inhabits our praises. But, but it was a struggle. And what happens is then we started getting straight up scared. What if we don't have a baby? That's part of the plan. No, God. I mean, this is how I do. No, God. Like, I got to have a baby. That's part of the plan. That's how I think. If I think it is, it should be. That's how my mind always thought. It was a little hard-headed. Well, God eventually blessed us with the baby, but there was two years of trial, and what God was really doing was getting us acquainted with each other before we could handle another human being in our life. But we didn't know that because we just said, God, you didn't meet my expectation. My expectation isn't matching this experience, and I want the baby now. I want it yesterday. Give me what I want. That's all I want. Your will be done. I mean, my will be done. Not your will be done. My will be done, God. I mean, your will be done, God. Which one is it? You know how it goes. So we compromise in that situation. We feel like God left us and we advocate the impossible to others until the impossible happens to us. 
then it's different. It's easy to preach about it. It's hard to apply it to yourself. And the obstacles we can't put our mind around are the hardest to bear. It's those ones that don't feel fair. There's no answer for it. There's no justification for it. I don't deserve this. Why, God, would you forsake me? Like, what is it, Cartman from South Park? Why, God, would you forsake me? My God has forsaken me. Anybody remember South Park, late 90s? I don't, I don't condone it. It wasn't the cleanest cartoon, but I just think of random facts when I'm preaching, and that's what comes out sometimes, okay? <laughs> he was funny despite he had a bad mouth. We won't talk about it. You get in the kitchen... All right, I digress. Be spiritual, be spiritual. We feel like we've fallen short, though, when we don't have an answer to what God is doing, when we feel like we laid out the plan right and God's not meeting us halfway. We feel alone. Where does my agenda lie, though, with God? That's a question for you all today. Where is my agenda with God. I mean, I can tell you there's been times I've been writing sermons and I'm sitting there and some of y'all have preached before and I say, does this help somebody? Is this going to help me? Does this really work? I've been in that place. I can share it easy, but when it's my turn, it can be hard. It's a lot harder to apply God's word than to spit it. If you know what I'm saying? Like a rapper would just spit in the word, but to apply the word to your life is a different story. That takes faith. Real faithfulness. And it makes you frustrated. And when you get frustrated because you feel like God's not answering you the way he should, what do you do? You start making bad decisions. It's your fault I can't have this baby. No, it's your fault. Oh, well, if you just made more money and I wouldn't have to work and now I'm stressed, so I probably can't get pregnant because I work too much and then this car's no good and we need a minivan and you need to give me a Honda Odyssey because we got this, we got this old piece of junk that's a car and it's gonna break my back when we have two kids and now we're talking about what it's gonna be like when we have two kids. We don't have one kid yet and all of a sudden we're fighting about five years down the road and it hasn't even happened yet and, nothing, and we're like, going, well, what are we fighting about? For real. Can anybody relate to this? Is it, am I the only one that's got issues? Okay, good. Good to know, good to know. We get frustrated and patience will run dry and eventually we feel fallen short alone. God, where are you? Where are you? David said the word of the Lord is proven. It's proven. It's, it's established, it's, it's validated, it's proven. There's no shakiness in this word. He's saying, if I remember what is proven, then I should be able to remove my doubt and my worry, right? So where is my agenda when I'm thinking that that God has not given me what I deserve when I'm forgetting that the word is proven? It's unshakable. I can remove my worry and my doubt. You know why? Because that's the only option that you have. When you think about it, that's the only option you really have. What good does worry do? Nothing. It makes it worse. Think on these things, Paul said. Be anxious for nothing. Disappointment starts setting in because now we've waited and we waited, we've fallen short, and still, no baby. We start forgetting where our strength lies and we start picking up the weights ourselves. And guess what happens? We start crumbling in the process because we weren't meant to carry a seven. We were meant to be made seven with him. And God's number system isn't based on my expectation. It's based on his will for my life. God completes these seasons in my life. 
according to what is best for his children. Remember last week, we were talking about the motorcycle and the, the silly things, the decisions. See, the parent knows what the child needs before the child knows what the child needs. God knows ahead of time. And when God withholds, it's because God knows. When God withholds, it's because there's a reason. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you, you did something bad. It doesn't mean you're cursed. It means there's a reason, though, because God's word is proven. He knows our needs. There's a light in Jesus we need to see in these dark periods. So ask yourself, is he my lamp? Remember it said, for you oh, are my lamp, O Lord. For the Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. For my God I can leap over all. As for God, his way is perfect. You are my lamp, O Lord. Jesus is a lamp. Forgetting I'm alone will only omit a dark place. When we have a lamp, touch your neighbor, tell them, light the lamp. It may feel dark, but you got a lamp to see. Turn the lamp on, man. Why are you doing it in the dark? Turn the lamp on, bro. You got a lamp. Why not you? You got an LED Jesus lamp in your spiritual bag. Use it. First John 2.5 says, but whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. So it says, whoever keeps his word, keeps it, applies it, lives by it, truly then the love of God is in him. By this, we know. How do we know? How do we know it's of God? By this, we know. If it is proven and we abide by this, he is in us and we are in him. And by this, we know that we are in Christ. Don't forget your lamp then. You need your lamp even if it's got a long battery life and it's lithium and you can let it run, let it run longer. You need your lamp. It's like the iPads. They, they last forever without a charge. So does Jesus, the lamp of God. He, it lasts forever. It doesn't need a charge. It doesn't take batteries. It's eternal. But you got to still turn the lamp on. It's not about us understanding every setback. It's not about that. It's the ability to recognize in those setbacks that we have a rock that never leads us, that we can only see by his lamp. And when we fall short, when we're not hitting seven, God wants to restore the difference. Because God's number system to perfection isn't based on my expectation, it's based on his will. And perfection is only something God can achieve. Our imperfections are where we see God change our outcome. So it's a good thing to have some flaws because you need God's correction. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. Well, what son is he whom the father does not chasten? You need correction by the word. It is proven. So we want to be imperfect so that we can be made perfect through him. If we were perfect, guess what we don't need? Jesus. But we are not perfect. So we always need him. I don't need it my way. I need God's way. That's what I want lit before me. If I remember what is proven and what is perfect in me, I can endure. And he is there to reveal your seven. Okay, can I give you the other part of this sermon? Are you ready for this? This sermon was supposed to be written a long time ago. And I had to throw it in the trash because I had this 
plan for perfection, Jim. Not only do we struggle with child number one, we struggle with child number five. I know y'all saying, well, who would want that? For some reason, we did. Child number five is not happening. There's no baby. I know, let's step around God's will and let's go make it happen. Let's go force it to happen. So we started doing the things and luckily I can't remember it that well so I can't get graphic enough to gross you out but we started doing the things with the shots and the hormones and and the things and the, can you shoot this at me? And then then the follicle count and all the blah, 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 doctor talk, doctor talk, doctor talk. Two years go by, still no fifth kid. See, I had this perfect plan. Discover God's perfect plan for your life at One Seed Church. My perfect number seven was going to come, and I was going to show y'all, look, guys, number seven is on his way. But it didn't happen. I mean, for real, I was plotting this whole scenario to announce our fifth baby, okay? And the baby didn't come, though. And I said, God, you're messing up my sermon, God. You know, they say preachers shouldn't preach the word to match their sermon. The sermon's supposed to match the word. And what I was doing is I was trying to make the word fit my sermon because that's what I wanted. And that was my expectation. But my experience didn't match what was really happening according to my expectation. The baby just wasn't happening. And I think it was another couple years. We went through that, two years or so of that. Torturing ourselves. My wife torturing herself with all the things they do. And it came to a point where we said, that's it. This is, not, this is not the way God wants it to happen. If it's gonna happen, let it happen. But we're not gonna try to force it anymore. This, there's too many side effects we see happening. So seven, the sermon was in the trash. I'm over it now. But there was a period where I was, I was a real mess about this because we had to start getting rid of our baby stuff. Now our oldest baby, you know, you guys think, I know, I'm weak. I am weak. My oldest is four, and that feels like 40 to me because she's four now. She's our last baby. So we thought, okay, we got another baby coming. We'll just keep popping babies, right? Well, now the baby stuff's going. And now, now the, the basement that I complained about being too crowded with baby stuff, and now it's actually empty. There's room in it. Now I want the stuff back. The baby, the swings we got, the first, the first, the first uh, bouncers in the first cribs. And, and we kept the one crib, you know, the one that Chloe chewed through with her mouth like a squirrel. She got teeth marks in that thing. We kept that one. We kept the sentimental. But there was a point where I said, all right, this is not, this doesn't make sense, God. I don't feel like I was supposed to abandon this message. What do I do with it? He said, I'm your seventh. That baby's not your seventh. I'm your seven. He says, I complete you. I make you perfect in your ways. And what I've already given you is enough. Quit asking me for more. Be grateful for what I've got. Spend some time with those kids you already have. Because they're growing while you're waiting on another baby that I said, not my will right now in this season. And as time passes, I get it. Now we're doing new stuff. We were so, we had babies for like four years straight. I'm not joking. My wife was pregnant for like four years straight. And we got so used to just having babies that we started forgetting that there's other joys in the seasons of life. Like now we can play catch. We can play ball. My boys do wrestling. My girls do ballet. All these other seasons we were like scared to go into. So we just kept asking for more babies. But God said, I am your seventh. And when you want to show that slide that you never made, instead of showing the baby, you're going to show me, Jesus. Jesus. 
That's what he told me. I said, I got it. I got it loud and clear. What a fool I was, Lord. Thank you for, for showing me and cleansing my heart that seven was to be made by you, not me. And it's not about the literal number. See, that's where we get off track. It's not about a literal seven. Maybe your seven is four. Maybe four is perfect for you. Maybe that's God, where God wants you right now. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's none. Maybe it's where God has you right now is where he's calling you to your perfect seven. It's okay is what I'm trying to say. It's okay. I was literally counting to seven. That's like ritualistic and silly. I just thought it'd be cool. I mean, I didn't really think it was some ordained thing. I just thought it'd be cool. You know, seven, perfection. Here we go, baby number seven. God says, uh-uh, I got something deeper for you to give than that, pastor. And some of you may be connecting on a different situation. You still feel fallen short. You still feel like there's a gap. You're still waiting for your experience to match the expectation you had. And God says, I got you right where I have you now for a reason. For a reason. This season is how I complete you. Jesus says, I complete you. And you say to Christ, you complete me. That is the way to perfection. You didn't get that job. Jesus has a new job coming. Relax, man. The baby came after two years. Chloe came after two years. We didn't expect to deal with this problem in our marriage. God has your seven. God is working for the greater good through what you perceive as a shortcoming. God has your seven. 1 Peter 5.10, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It says, may he perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. That's the part we forget. We can chill, man. We can settle in what we already have. Don't miss it because tomorrow is quickly approaching. We can settle. Oh man, when I found out it was okay just to have four kids and I could let, I could let it go, I started enjoying my life more. I mean, that's the way my brain is. It's like, it's like so aggressive sometimes. I gotta forget, hey, maybe that's okay. It's okay. Do you need a hug? Let's hug it out. I, you know, Jesus is like, Jeff, do you need a, Pastor Jeff, do you need a hug? Let's hug it out. And I got, I, got, I got to remember that it's okay to settle because his word has established where we are right now. He's established everything for all of you right now. You're here today because his word is guiding your hearts. And sometimes your expectation of church doesn't match your experience with church. And sometimes they're out of whack. And so we go back to the word of God to be the judge. We go back to what is proven. We don't go back to what man does or says or didn't say or didn't wave to you or didn't, wasn't nice to you or they talked about what you were wearing and all that. We go back to the word. We go back to the love of Christ. That's where we want to be in this house. Amen? He completes me. How many believe it? He strengthens me. He settles me. When he says it is finished, guess what? It is finished. I can be happy with where I am because God is my seven. I can stop being upset that we didn't get that baby. 
says, God is my seven. God will take your situation and make it perfect according to his purpose. Discover your perfect plan according to his purpose. It's important. His purpose. I can rejoice in the fact that I don't have to live this life alone. I've got Jesus. If y'all can stand with me as we close this morning. This was a hard message to talk about because it's like, is vulnerable. Hey, doggy, where'd that come from? <laughs> Dog, have you repented? Do you need the Lord? We'll pray over you right now in Jesus' name. Hypoallergenic or otherwise you the devil. Just kidding. But listen, let me give you this closing thought that you're gonna experience hills and valleys. In and out of Christ, you're gonna experience hills and valleys. And the devil wants nothing more than to jeopardize your relationship with Christ because you feel like your experience isn't matching your expectation when it should. But you have to remember, this is about his will and his purpose, and I'm gonna endure and be faithful on his promise because that's the only option I got. David, that's the only option you got. That's the only option we got as a church. We don't have an option to worry because worry does nothing. We've gotta stand on the rock, the truth of my salvation because his promise is proven and endures and it shall strengthen and establish me. Come on, you can praise God for that. That's okay. Let's pray, and then we're going to get out of here, and we're just so thankful. If you could all bow your heads with me right now, Lord, we come in the mighty name of Jesus, God. We know that your track record is proven. You are the Word made flesh, and we know you are proven and that you are here to strengthen us and give us peace, God, to know we're not alone in this battle. We're not alone when it feels like it's not working. Maybe it actually is when a no to us maybe is a yes from you. And God, we have to be faithful that whatever it is you send us, we are going to embrace and know that that is for the greater good of our walk and the greater good of our children and the greater good of the people we come across. And God, we can stand secure in that and have faith as we go through adversity. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.